Hi, I'm Jay Frosting, and you're listening to Miss Gender. One of my closest friends is a woman named Ashley, but for the first nine years, I knew her by another gender. I'm still adjusting to this updated reality, but it's nothing compared to what she's going through. Over the course of the show, Ashley and I discuss her perspectives on being trans and her ups and downs as she transitions. Fortunately for all of us, Ashley is a person who, when interested in any topic, researches it for a long time and becomes an expert. Of course, it takes a lifetime for any of us to learn how to be the person we want to be. That doesn't get any easier when you're trying to reboot your life partway through. We welcome your questions and comments on each episode at misgender.com, on Twitter at misgender, or you can email misgenderpodcast at gmail.com. You're listening to the audio version of this episode, but we also have a video version that you can watch or subscribe to by visiting misgender.com and finding this episode laid off, which was published January 23rd, 2012. Good evening, Ashley. Hi, Jay. What's new? Uh, so I was laid off on Thursday. Mm. Yeah. That hurts. Yeah. I guess working for a small company, sometimes things don't always uh, play out, you know. Company has costs and well hey one way to cut costs is by letting people go well tell us a little bit about what your position entailed and then you know how do you imagine the company's going to keep going without you there were you the only one doing what you were doing i was the only front-end developer there and i was also the only ux person so typically on a web team, you would have, say, a front-end developer like myself who would work with visual designers. And someone like myself takes their designs and transforms those into web pages. And sometimes you may also have sort of another step, someone called an information architect, someone who kind of figures out the best way to put things within a page and how mm. pages connect to each other and things like that. So it turns out that the company I worked for had no visual designers nor any information architects. Now this is kind of odd since typically both of those positions are just necessary. Yes, necessary. They're yeah. they're a matter of course. But they didn't. So it fell to me to kind of take on some of those tasks. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of the the one girl UX department. So when it came to design decisions within the site Sometimes maybe we were adding a new page or new feature here and there. They would kind of look to me for that. Mm. And I, I always kind of felt uncomfortable with that role just since mm. there are people who design things for a living and are way, way better at it than I am. So, so knowing what I do of the industry, do you suspect then that in the future they're going to keep doing what they were doing before you came on board? Which is to say developing web pages and not caring how they look. Yeah. Yeah, that's likely the case, yeah. I've worked at a lot of different web design companies, um, and in that industry, it's not a terrible thing to jump from job to job, say, every two years or three years or so. But anyway, I've only ever met one back-end developer who really seemed to get it intrinsically, the, the mm. whole concept of user right. experience design. Right. Yeah, no, I would agree. But anyway, so yeah, that's, that's the reason they gave you that um, they couldn't afford you? They didn't come out and say it, but that's kind of the understanding I got out of it. Oh, okay. Well, what was your immediate reaction? It was almost a relief. Why is that? 
in the sense that the whole separate but equal thing for mm. the ladies' room, that was just, it was really aggravating. Mm-hmm. And and it was and it was just demeaning. I mean, do you think that when you're searching for a new job, you'll find people who are more amenable to you using the ladies' room? Yeah. Why? Because I think that at the company where I work, there's sort of a CYA kind of attitude, just not even specifically related to that, but just in general. And I think that as well, the people who are making the decisions in regard to the bathroom stuff at the company where I worked were, well, my old manager was probably almost 50 and the HR guy was at least 50. And even though this is, I haven't done surveys or anything, I've generally found that tolerance seems to be inversely proportional with age, just in general. Say that's true on average, sure. Yeah, yeah. So were I to work at another company, the chances are that the HR person at whatever the new company is will be probably the same age or pro- probably younger than okay. the HR person that I dealt with. Well, personal tolerance is one thing, but company rules are separate from that, aren't they? That is true, but then again, you can think of it sort of like um, the cop who gives you a warning instead of giving you a ticket, which is mm. to say, there's usually some leniency or in terms of the way that you interpret the rules and the way that you uh, view people's intentions as those apply to the rules, as it were. Okay. And so I think that at other companies, they will, I think they'll do the right thing, I would like to think. Yeah. So sometime in the near future when you get a, an interview, you'll be presenting as a woman, naturally. Right. Do you expect anybody to ask at any point during the interview or hiring process, like, hey, something about you doesn't add up. What's going on there? Or, or do you imagine that you're going to be forthcoming with it? And if so, how early? Or do you think that it'll make it all the way through to the filling out paperwork HR stage when somebody gets a copy of your driver's license or whatever and says, oh, hey, look at that. Interesting. Never noticed. I plan on lampshading this. Are you talking about like pretending that wearing a lampshade is a disguise? I think that's where it originated, but this is actually a term I picked up from uh, the website TV Tropes. They say, lampshade hanging is the writer's trick of dealing with any element of the story that threatens the audience's willing suspension of disbelief by calling attention to it and then moving on. Oh. And says it exists regardless of logic. So what I plan on doing is when I apply for the job, which will be likely over email or what have you, and then most likely someone would call me or maybe email me. But either way, they would likely talk to me on the phone at some point prior to when I would actually come in for the interview. I will probably say something toward the end of the call, something like, although my voice may belie this, I'm also a transgender woman. Will this be a problem? And then they'll probably say, nope, that's just fine. And see you when you come in whenever. Um, 
Just because I know I know that my voice is not yet good enough to be able to pass throughout the course of say a one hour interview. Which voice? <laughs> the even if I am applying my full effort, either my full effort would not be enough or I'm certain that I would at least slip up once. And and part of it as well is that when I talk on the phone with whomever about maybe it's a phone screening or maybe they're just trying to set up Mm. the interview, I would presume that once they get off the call, they would talk to their coworkers about, hey, I just talked with Ashley. And I would want them to say, and she looks like a promising candidate, we're going to have her for the interview in two days or something, rather than inferring from my voice that I was a man. Okay. Because I would want them to use the right pronouns from the start rather than me having to reverse those trends later. Right. Why do you want to ask at the end if it's going to be a problem? That's really just a way to toss underhand to these people to allow them to say yes and affirm that they are tolerant people. Hmm. Okay. Because otherwise, I don't know, maybe they might feel as if they should say something like, well, this would be fine with us. Do I do I tell her that it'll be fine with us or whatever? Yeah. Why, do you think that's unwise? I don't know. I mean, I don't no know idea. either, because this will be the first time that I've interviewed since yeah. I've transitioned. Have you done any Googling, though, about how transgender women apply for jobs and whether it's difficult for any given reason? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you keep an open mind as, a, as, as an interviewer, Jay. Sure. Just in the sense that you assume that by default, it would not be difficult for transgender people to interview. And, I mean, I would like to think the same, but I know that, statistically speaking, the unemployment rate for transgender persons, I believe, is 14% nationally, which I think is hmm. double the national average. But, um, I mean, there are a lot yeah. of, well, there are a lot of bigots in corporations and such. But I would like to think that within the IT technology sphere that people are generally pretty tolerant. So I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, I think. Here's a potentially throwaway question. If you were to end up at a company that had a strict dress code that actually said, you know, like, if women aren't wearing pants, they must wear pantyhose, how would you feel about that? If there was a company that had those type of requirements, I would I'd be quite wary uh, not only just because of the whole nuisance of the formal attire, but I found that dress codes can often be sort of a canary in the coal mine for other problems within a company. Mm, mm-hmm. That if the company has those types of antiquated things, that they're likely antiquated in other regards yeah. as well. Right. So. You've recently made some comments through Twitter using certain phrases that I don't think somebody who wasn't attracted to men would use. Like when we were talking about the guy who played Buzz in the Hudsucker Proxy, where you said, uh, I don't know if it's the situational hotness, but he's not doing it for me there. Yeah. So I'm curious if in the last two years or so, you found that your attraction to men has been growing. You say two years? Yeah. I've been on HRT for one year, if that makes Okay. I mean, so for what it's worth, just to kind of... Sometime within the last two years. Yeah, just to kind of preface some of this, 
before I had started taking HRT, I, I read up on it quite extensively mm. since, well, you, you know how I am. I like to yeah. research things. I wouldn't and, have invited you to be on the show if you weren't a researcher. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you'd just be babbling right. and not making very good points. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like to learn about things before I get into them. And certainly in this case with HRT, given that it was my own body, I especially wanted to learn about what was involved. And so reading through uh, various trans women kept sort of HRT diaries, as it were, as far mm. as here's what happened at, at two months and at three months and so on. And so there were some cases that I'd read about where trans women who were lesbians found that they had some attraction to men at some point within the HRT process. In fact, when I came out to many of my friends in the area, one thing I would kind of include in that email is something along the lines of, just because it's a common question, uh, I don't find myself attracted to men. Although I've yeah. heard some cases of trans women become attracted to men. Oh, at some I point don't after. remember that part. We should be more closely, Jay. I guess. It's in there, I and we were And we were pretty clear about how, you know, one's gender identity and the people you were attracted to were parallel lines that weren't meant to intersect yeah point. you could say they're orthogonal would you say that's still true then so just to clarify the two lines we were talking about would be gender identity and sexual orientation okay and my gender identity is still the same as it always was right so okay that's right. fair yeah but your sexual orientation may be shifting well i'm still attracted to women that part hasn't changed. But I have noticed that there are some men that are nice to look at. One of the things that was uh, quirky about you in years past was that you were always completely baffled when people would remark a upon a man as being attractive. You'd be like, oh, is he cute? Is he hot? I have no idea. Like, I know. Who's, who's prettier, David Boreanaz or Nicholas Brendan? You wouldn't. But now you have strong opinions about whether a man is attractive. Or is it really only sometimes? Indeed, in years past, my I, I was a very poor judge of male hotness. I would I would have no idea. I th I think there were some conventionally hot or commonly accepted as hot men that Brad Pitt, George Clooney. Sure, that I was aware that they were attractive simply because society told me that they were over and over, and so I didn't need to ask right, him right. about those. But there are some other smaller actors like who oh who played the scarecrow? Killian Murphy. Right, yeah, yeah. He was also in Inception, right? Yes. And he's okay. very he's he's a pretty man. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't I hear women say it all the time, but I don't really know what it means either. Like uh young David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, he was a very pretty man. Um the other guy from Inception, Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm. Without without facial hair, <laughs> he's very pretty. But there are also guys that are, are attractive in a totally different way. Okay. I think that's when they use the word hot. Okay, so for whatever reason, I never watched The West Wing while I was on television. So there's a character, Sam Seaborn, who's played by... Rob Lowe. Yes, that chat. I noticed that he would have his scene or whatever, and they would do the scene and then go to some other actor's scene. Yeah. And I found myself kind of looking forward to his scenes. Like, okay. 
Oh, that scene, it's done already. But it, this was me trying to figure this out because this was all subconscious in my head kind of stuff. It wasn't that I thought, oh, he's cute. It was just that, oh, I wish I'd seen it gone on a little more. Okay, so assuming that this is not something that just came in one day, that is something that kind of gradually came along, as opposed to it always being there and me just noticing it gradually. Okay. And so often what I would do as I was watching the West Wing, it happens I have never a laptop in my kitchen, so maybe as I'm preparing dinner or baking cookies or something, I would have that on. And I would find that in some scenes I could sort of, you know, let stuff simmer and whatever, I could sort of mm -hmm. hear the dialogue and carry on with the show. But on his scenes, I would sort of glance at the the monitor, the laptop screen, and it's like, oh, he is nice to look at. Mm -hmm. And then sort of I figured out, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he is kind of cute. Okay. Yeah. Generally accepted as one of the country's most attractive actors since the early 1980s. And that, And as I would kind of tell my women friends about this they'd be like well yeah <laughs> it's as if i should have known like all along right yeah he's pretty cute okay that may have been i don't know if that's a crush or not but yeah yeah he was nice he's nice to look at all right but it's it's more than that not just that one guy oh yeah and uh that gosling chap <laughs> what as jay throws his arms in the air but hearing about stupid Ryan Gosling. I understand he had a very appealing character in the notebook. I haven't seen I've that. not seen that either. So that's the weird thing is like with Gosling, I've not actually seen any of his films yet. I've only seen trailers with him in it. But it's nice. He has a good his head is nice. <laughs> I'm I'm betting he's very symmetrical. So sometimes I'll be watching something and I'll have a very similar thought like, oh, that's a pretty dude, you know, but it doesn't cause a stirring in my loins and I don't ever really daydream. I'm like, oh, I'd like to see him taking his shirt off and then do stuff with him. Um, so how far does it go for you? You might say it's like when you see, say, a well-taken photograph on Flickr or maybe some of those photo essays that they have, like best photos of the year, whatever. And sometimes it's just like a nice photograph that you can really look into and gaze upon because it's really well composed and so on. And it's sort of like that for me, I guess. Okay. I don't, I don't daydream about. You don't ever think, oh, I wonder if he's well hung. No, that, no, no, that part okay. doesn't really come into it. Sometimes I wonder what it would be say, like. I would say, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, sometimes I wonder what it would be like to maybe give him a kiss or something, but I don't All know. Right. Yeah, I don't know. And you're pretty sure that it's the HRT that has caused your that's this change in your brain? Well, so that's the thing, is that, of course, I'm taking two medications as part of my HRT. I'm taking one... Two, testosterone blocker and, and estrogen. Right. Yeah, exactly. So this is just me guessing at this point, mm. but... It could be either one of those. It could be that maybe this is the way that I have always felt Prince's disease, but that the testosterone that used to be poisoning me was overriding those natural tendencies. Hmm. Or maybe, maybe it is the estrogen that's having some effect. Yeah. And your internal hormone levels are still changing, right? 
Uh, like from well, month to month? Or do you get measured he, for that sort of thing? Or Yeah, yeah. I go. In fact, I, I have an appointment next week with my HRT doctor. Yeah, they take blood tests and they check up on my levels, make sure everything's where it should be. But so to answer your question, though, so my levels are, they fairly plateaued, I guess you could say. I mean, my my testosterone is almost zero, as it would be the case with um, cisgender women. And my estrogen levels are right up around where it would be for cisgender women. Okay. But having said that, it's still possible that over time, the cumulative effect of continuously having those hormones at that level may have some effect. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, just in the sense okay. that, for example, with puberty, whether male or female, there's a certain uh, hormone change, but that the uh, physical changes take place over time. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for being so open about that. Yeah. And so, I mean, for what it's worth, I, I still find myself attracted to women. And yeah. that's that's largely how I think of myself. So I was like trying to think of what the right term would be, whether I would mm. be a bisexual lesbian or a lesbian bisexual or... I think bisexual is just bisexual. If I guess it'd be like uh, 15% attracted to men. Maybe 70, 30 or... Sure. Yeah, yeah sure. So I... I need to find more hot guys to figure out which ones I'm attracted <laughs> to. <laughs> to what? To find out which ones are cute, because I... Okay, so for persons who are attracted to women, there seems to be more of a consensus, I guess, of certain... Like, certain women are attracted, certain women are not attracted. Or... I don't know about that. People have been trying to tell me that Julia Roberts is pretty, and I've never understood it. Yeah, she's okay. Well, she's not... She's really off-putting. All right. Do do you dig, though, that there's more consensus of women who are attractive than men who are attractive? There's the, there's the symmetry thing, which is true of both genders. Right. Um, traditionally, men enjoy women with large breasts. Uh, sure, and yeah. And long legs. Mm -hmm. uh, and tiny waists. Right. Aside from that, I mean, f faces are, are very, very different, and... Hair is very, very different. Some people only like redheads. Some people only like yeah. Asian chicks. But okay, so what I'm trying to get um, at though is that can you concede that there's more consensus of who, which women are attracted than which men are attractive? Is that? I don't. I don't know that I can concede that. I don't know that I have enough data. Because there seems to be more of a dis discrepancy or di disagreement thing. But okay. But anyway. Well, what have you noticed that makes you think that? Just more women arguing about whether a dude is attractive? Yeah, that's part of it, yeah. And I guess right. also that, well, for instance, in terms of uh, magazine covers or whatever, or uh, female movie stars, most uh, very highly paid female movie stars are also attractive, I guess. But Yeah, yeah, that almost have to be. But yeah. the same is true of men. Nobody puts Wayne Knight on the, on the cover of a magazine. Yeah. Like, George Clooney isn't as attractive to some women as others. I think that you're talking about what I think of in my brain as the nougats on the block phenomenon. Uh, uh, when there's a hot boy band, uh-huh, uh, teen girls, maybe preteen girls as well, will 
as a group, decide which girl gets to obsess about which guy in the boy band. Oh, divvying them up. And there, and, and there can't be any crossover. Hmm. Okay. That might be related. Yeah, okay, but so what I... So it's what I'm trying to get at though is see I'm I'm still figuring out my own sexuality or whatever cuz I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if these are just like isolated incidents or if there's more of a pattern to it or whatever mm-hmm. or if I okay or to put another if I have a type for as far as my men goes it's the end of the year so go get people's 25 most beautiful people issue or something oh now you're talking and just flip through it <clears throat> yeah that's good yeah yeah on a different topic yeah have what have you considered doing about your eyebrows so i'm vain enough that even before i came out to myself my hairstyles would wax my eyebrows really yeah it makes a big difference i tell all my guy friends but they're just like i use my beard trimmer you're trimming your eyebrows in the same manner that someone would mow their lawn Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah okay you're not changing the shape of your eyebrows no 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 it's got the the guard on it right yes so yeah back when i back before i'd come out to myself my hairstyles would wax my eyebrows just to maintain a better shape and um after i came out to her she adapted her technique that of how she would wax eyebrows for her female clients so yeah they look a little bit thick from where I'm standing. Is that something where threading would get involved? I usually have a hair point every five to six weeks. And mm. it's been about five to six weeks because I have one in three days or whatever. Okay. So I don't know whether I go so far as to say my eyebrows are unruly, but they might be at the point where they're not as... Mm. Sculpted, sculpted as they might normally be okay. take a look for example at the uh transition day photographs that i posted because those have yeah. a i think a pretty good view of my eyebrows though i do also have a set of tweezers of course and if you're looking for a good brand these are i've heard these are quite good these are tweezer man you sure which i've always found ironic because of the yeah. clientele we've got some time left if you'd like to teach me something ladylike sure yeah sweet so Okay, I got a couple of jobbies here. I do. I like jobbies. I know. Okay. So do you recognize this guy? Do both ends open up? Yes. <laughs> it's mascara? Yes. All right. Okay. It's beauty tubes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. L'Oreal, double extend with beauty tubes. Yeah. <laughs> So with these jobbies, so this is actually sort of a, a tip I learned from one of the makeup artists from whom I was mm. getting some lessons. And what you can do with your mascara is essentially these little jobbies are they're sort of like pipe cleaners. I don't know quite what the material is. But what you can do, though, is you can, if you as you're taking the cap off, you can bend it Whoa. so that you get sort of okay. this kind of shape, if you can see that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, roughly at a, at a right angle, you can you can bend it, and it'll bend back, so you, you're fine with that. Okay. But anyway, this is often easier as as a means of uh, getting one's eyelashes as far as as opposed to when it's straight, 
if I can just straighten this out, then you end up with like this kind of thing, which is harder to do. So this is a small trick actually, but if you take the cap off halfway and then pull the cap downward, you can get sort of a nice, you know, right angle out of it. Yeah. How many mascara brushes would you say that's true of? That you can bend like that? Yeah. Most? Probably most. Okay. Yeah. Neat. I think that's my understanding, yeah. What's the second job? Yeah. So, you remember these guys? I remember some non non Q-tip named cotton swabs, sure. That's right. Yes. So just to recap, the brand I like best is Johnson's. Sure. And better than Q-tip because Q-tip are rubbish. And the reason being that these, well, the Johnson's ones don't have as much flyaway cotton bits at the end. They're more dense. Mm. So another trick I learned, actually, uh, this is uh, what I learned from my cousin Brianna over Thanksgiving. So, hi, Brianna. Hi. Yeah. So, what you can do with these is if you're, say, applying eyeliner with a eyeliner pencil, you know, you would typically then use a brush to smudge that slightly so it's not such a hard line. But if you don't have a brush handy, you can use mm. a Q-tip and just smudge it with that. All right. Yeah. So you can get more precision out of a brush, but sometimes maybe you don't have the budget for all the brushes that you that you want, or maybe you're traveling and you don't have room for all your brushes. Well, you can use a cotton swab for that. Yeah. That brings up an interesting question. Have yeah. you started doing your makeup in the car? Oh, God, no. <laughs> have you thought about it? Have you thought, oh, if only I'd woken up earlier? Wait a minute, I could... I could do this in the car. No, that'd be dangerous. Well, I have done my lipstick in the car. Mm -hmm. But that's usually because, I, well, those aren't too difficult. Yeah. But the thing is, though, so say you're doing your bronzer, for example. Well, you're not, but mm -hmm. you know what I mean. And so there, there are certain patterns you want to go through, but it's hard to apply that with precision when just looking at the little rear view jobby mm -hmm. or the flip down visor mirror. Right. Especially in the sense that you have to sort of have a sustained period of concentration to do that. That red light, for example, would probably not be sufficient for that. That's fair. Yeah. Have you ever, just for fun without planning on going anywhere, ever done your makeup in a totally trashy way to see how slutty you could look? <sighs> And I know that those two words have negative connotations, but uh, in my mind, they don't. So. Right. Sure. No, I, I understand what you're trying to say. Um, so of, of the makeup techniques that I'm familiar with, they're largely ones that I've picked up from the makeup artists and so on from whom I'm, mm -hmm. I've had lessons. And so I guess there's sort of two factors that impede me in some ways toward getting that slutty look, one of which is that most of the techniques I've learned are not really designed to, to have that outcome. And I suppose also that the makeup products that I have are largely in support of the techniques of which I am familiar. And so I don't... And I'm not sure how one would go about getting that, hey, I'm totally promiscuous, chat me up right. look. But for example, I don't think I've ever seen you wearing bright red lipstick. Right. That's true. Yeah. Because that does not really suit me very well. 
How do you know? Because I've tried it. Okay. Yeah. That's what I was trying to get at. Well, I tried it at the well at the at the makeup artist. They've got like the whole shitload of lipstick, mm -hmm. so it's like I could just try all kinds of them. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the thing with red lipstick though is that it has very little margin for error because it is so such a high contrast color compared to your skin tone, unless I guess you're really sunburnt or something. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So or you're snooky. Yeah, but okay. But for example, like more of a a beige or a pinkish tone, if you quote unquote color outside the lines slightly, it's not as obvious. But with red, yeah, that's gonna be really obvious. Plus, it sort of has to match with the rest of your look. And but I do. What about that smoky eye look that they talk about in commercials? I'm I'm sort of aware of some of that in terms of having not only the top eyeshadow but also some sort of bottom eyeshadow and maybe some eyeliner on your waterline. And that's something I've played around with a little bit, yeah. But uh, that's not something I'd wear to work or what have you. All, no? Although that specific problem is not one that I had at the moment. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, but the other thing I is, that, is, hope you find something soon. Yes. Certainly don't want to see you becoming homeless and destitute. Well, thank you, Jay. And I, uh, <laughs> I do have sort of a rainy day fund, as it were. Thanks for hanging out with us, Ashley, and for teaching me stuff. Oh, it's my pleasure, Jay. Good. Yay! Uh, we will talk again soon. Okay! Bye!